It's the dream, right? You graduate college and you're free. There's no career, not yet. There's no school, maybe never again. And with nothing else to do, you head out with some homies on one epic months-long road trip. For some of us, that narrative still sounds like a Hollywood screenplay. But for others, like today's guest, the memories of that trip are real. And decades later, they're still shaping the lives we live today. Welcome back to the Get Lost Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Joe Sills, a freelance travel writer for outlets around the globe. Today's guest is a fellow traveler. He's a road tripping entrepreneur who's crisscrossed the vast desert landscapes and mountain ranges of North America. He's appeared on television platforms like Shark Tank, and he's taken his whole family along for the ride while aiming to reimagine the way we experience the time-tested road trip. His name is Woody Sears. Woody, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's absolutely my pleasure. Um, first thing I want to ask you is, how are you reimagining the road trip? I mean, to me, it's as simple as snacks and a Spotify playlist these days. But you've gone a little bit deeper than that with your own world that people can dive into when they're traveling. Yeah, we um, we thought about uh, all these things that make a road trip great and then some of the parts that make it a little less appealing. And a lot of people, you know, are, or I guess there's a population out there who are um, averse because of road trip boredom. And, uh, you know, uh-huh. what are they going to do with all this time in a seat and, and um, being there? And so we really wanted to add another dimension and bring almost like this tour guide experience to um, to the seat in the car where you can actually listen to the stories of the, the landscape around you. And um, so that's what we're bringing that, that entertainment that's really specific and curated to your location. So, you know, you've got audio books and, and playlists and things that, that can entertain, but they're not, um, specific to where you are on the map. Yeah. Um, so I first got some info about your platform. It's called Atio. And you guys can go when you're not driving to Atio.com and sort of get a sample of it, or you can just straight up download it on iOS. Um, I thought this sounded really crazy when I got a, a, an email about it. I'm like, how the hell are we going to have location-based storytelling? Like, I don't really understand that, even though I'm fairly tech savvy. Um, But sure enough, if you go on the audio platform and you're driving through the Great Plains of South Dakota or something, which let's be real, that's like the most boring. um, 
it'll ping you and and then all of a sudden like there's kevin costner to tell you about all of the history of the place around you which is like outstanding yeah so we um you know every story that's on our, our platform has a geographic center and then we assign a listening radius to it mm-hmm. so just to get a little bit more into how the technology works is um once you download the app and open up location permissions and notifications then as you're you're driving across the country across the state even across town you will um be alerted when there's a story you haven't heard before and that story is going to be specific to exactly where you are in the gps coordinates of your phone um and and then you can drop in and learn about the history of how a town came to be how a mountain peak got its name who were the first people that lived in that area and and get some more insight um to really you know i think help people connect to those places more and uh and and be entertained at the same time talking to woody sears he's a co-founder of atio um so i think this is really cool because it's not just for long road trips across the great plains which i've done a few times um but here on the west coast you could drive around la or san francisco east coast miami new york wherever you're at and it's going to automatically ping you about the things that are around you exactly yeah and there you know the stories are in those big city centers as well as the places in between so if you are driving from miami to the carolinas there's stories really dispersed throughout the country along the interstates, highways, byways, scenic roads. So you get this nice cadence of, of content in route. And a lot of these places that are, you know, forgotten by guidebooks and, and other um, outlets where you might get your, your travel and information and history um, and really fascinating stuff that's in, on the outskirts and more rural areas of our country. How do you find that content? Because um, if like, let's say you're driving, as you said, from Miami to the Carolinas and you're in this part of southern Georgia, that's just like shrimping towns and wetlands and things like how do you find the stories about that place? What inspires you to go out and gather those? Yeah, we are, are fortunate to have um, over 20 travel journalists on our content team who've been producing these and are familiar with different regions of the U.S. And so they go and um, hunt these down. We also take um, recommendations from our our members and listeners about stories that uh, would be a great fit for our platform. So it's really um, a lot of uh, sleuthing and and tapping into local insights to be able to to find those hidden gems that are out there. You know, we have the, the big ones you know, the major tourist destinations, but really about having those other, um, you know, kind of, uh, well, we, we refer to them as hidden gems, um, also local insights in the app, but that you wouldn't always expect to hear and, and didn't, uh, didn't have any idea they were, they were there along your trip. For me, I think that's huge because so often on a road trip, you're passing a random mountain. And if you're driving alone, you don't have like you can't really take your hand, your eyes off the road and your hands off the wheel to, to look and see what is the name of this place, this and that. Uh, maybe if you have a partner or a passenger, you can get them to Google it. But eventually they get tired of doing that and they don't want to read Wikipedia entries to you or there's just not one. Right. 
Um, so I think it's it's an awesome thing. It's pretty exciting. And all of this fired up, what, 2019? Is that right? Yeah, we we launched our our first version of the product in 2020 um, in August. And yeah, you bring up a good point there. That's uh, we, we often find that um, that problem exactly as you described it. You know, you want that be able to hear that hands-free even if there are multiple people in the car you know somebody does get tired of of being the um you know the research uh person and and there's you know this idea uh that we felt with in, in my car with my wife and I, like we don't want to have our heads down in our phone while we're on a trip. Mm-hmm. You know, part of that, that travel is unplugging and taking a break and, and not being attached to our, our smartphone and other screens as much. So this um, allowed us to do that more is, mm-hmm. is being able to have this, you know, engaging content, but not having to, do a lot of hunting and and uh, searching across the Googles and Wikipedias and and even when we did use that method prior to Autio, you know, we couldn't always find the content that we were looking for. Like right. what people do for for a living in this town, you know, that's just not readily available. No, it's hard to say. Like, what do people do for a living in well, see Brownsville, Tennessee? Right? No, I mean, I mean nobody's heard of that except maybe me because I'm from there, but. Um, yeah, you wouldn't know that most people there um, make like hoses for lawn equipment and things like that. Right. Uh, nor do you even really care. But you might care that Tina Turner's from nearby. You know, you might care that some of the original blues musicians were nearby. And there's, by the way, a pit stop museum you can check out in 20 minutes on the side yeah. of the road um, and grab some McDonald's while you're there. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff that I think is cool about your app and why I wanted to talk to you because it seems funky and new and exciting. And well, it seems like there's a never ending stream of podcasts and like audio platforms coming out. This one, Emil, feels like it can stick and it feels like a really good travel companion. So, so far, job well done in my point of view. Yeah, and I, I mean, you sound like the, uh, the the target audience for sure. I know you've had a chance to use it some, but um, you know, it does it doesn't replace the podcast or the Spotify's or the Audibles by any means. It, you know, we play well with those other platforms and something that you can go in and out of, um, which is the cadence that I really enjoy on a trip. You know, it's some music. It's it's some podcasts and it's some of this tour related content that I can do on demand and not necessarily have to sign up to, you know, follow a, a tour group around to, to learn about the, you know, the historic nature of, of that place or, or town, you know, really having having that instant on is is uh, fits much better with the, the my style of travel and a lot of uh, our members. Totally. It's a little bit of everything. Everyone knows what they say about fish stories, but this one is true. A while back, I was mountain biking along the Arkansas River near a place called the Big Dam Bridge. In the distance, I could see the afternoon sun falling over Little Rock's lone round peak. Beside me, I saw a tranquil, rippling pool next to an old railroad bridge secluded from the rapid river's flow. 
It was exactly the kind of spot that I'd biked there for. So I hopped off the bike, reached into a backpack, and pulled out a fishing rod. Then I spent the rest of the afternoon watching time slowly roll by in the warm afternoon sun. I even caught a few fish right there in that spot, with my bike laying on the ground and the shallow sand beneath my feet. This is the kind of fishing story that doesn't have a big catch or a record bass attached to it. It's just a peaceful afternoon by the water, the kind that helps you unwind from all of the problems in life. If you listen to this podcast, chances are you've got a nose for adventure yourself. And if that nose leads you to the water, I suggest picking up a tool that can help you enjoy more moments like these. When I travel, I often pack a fishing rod, and though many portable options abound, I like the rods from Wisconsin's St. Croix rods the best. St. Croix's Avid Trek and Triumph travel rods break down into a case that fits in a backpack, or an overhead bend, or behind just about any car seat. They're designed in the USA and made with care from a family-run company that knows some fishing stories don't require any exaggeration. Sometimes, just being on the water is enough. You can learn more about St. Croix's travel rods at stcroixrods.com, and you can tell them the Get Lost podcast sent you. Now, back to the show. And Woody, look, it wouldn't be the Get Lost podcast if you didn't take us on a journey today. So I want to talk to you about your style of travel and a trip that you took once upon a time along the Pacific coast of Mexico. Uh, crazy road trip must have been an awesome journey uh, to a country that we know well it's not very far away but you went to to some unique places there so talk to us about this trip and paint the scene how old were you when did it take place and what was the motive yeah so i was just finishing up undergrad at the university of colorado um you know, was drawn to that place for uh, the outdoor lifestyle, um, you know, good good school and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time while there in the mountains and and learning how to snowboard and, and ski, um, which I'd done prior in my life and had kept hearing from people, you know, you may want to think about taking a trip after you graduate. It's the best time in your life. And for me, yeah. it's the only time in their life they'll have an extended amount of time to do a trip. Lots of people um, during that you know decade in time were going to Europe and and living out of a backpack and you know uh, training or hitchhiking around. Um, that sounded appealing. I'd done a trip while in college to uh, Spain that I loved, but, you know, really had um, this inspiration to spend some time in the ocean and learning how to surf was a big motivation for where to pick this travel location. All right. Um, so you needed, you like to challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a challenge. You know, I had some roommates who were from Hawaii and they, they um, told me about all the, you know, all how great, it is, especially if you love a sport like skiing or snowboarding, you know, surfing is this whole other way to uh, experience that glide and, and be in nature and um, take you to some really cool places. So um, I had always uh, loved Mexico, my family. We used to go there um, during Christmas 
time uh, growing up. And so I recruited another uh, roommate of mine and we were going to set out on this adventure to drive south um, to Mexico along the entire Pacific coast. Um, so we, we started off in the fall. Um, I actually started in Washington state where I'm from, drove down along, um, along the West coast to San Diego where I met my roommate and we were going to head off of this journey starting with, with Baja. Oh, um, wow. So, so let me pause you for a second. Cause I yeah. didn't realize you were starting in Washington state. You came all the way down almost basically from Canada. Uh, had you done that drive before to San Diego yet, like through Big Sur and the, the Lost Coast up there and all that? I actually had done it, um, not as a driver, but as a passenger with my family um, and kind of a pre-van life days. My dad, who was a, a builder, had retrofitted his Ford, Ford Econoline van so that it had, you know, not only a place in the back that could store tools and lumber, but it also doubled as a bed where a mattress went in there. And, oh, that's and awesome. Could, those are like those big white vans that like you'd ride, like for us in the South, it was like church van. You grew up and everyone rode in that to go to the yeah. beach or whatever. Yeah, okay, so I'm with you. So you're driving this, riding in this Econoline van your whole childhood up and down the coast. Exactly, yeah, we'd, we'd go all over the Western states and then we, we would, uh, we drove down to Baja once. So we had done that whole stretch from Washington down to Baja and back over a couple of weeks. And it was pretty, uh, covered a lot of miles in, in a, a fairly short amount of time. But so I'd had that experience before of driving down the coast. Um, and so that part, you know, was uh, familiar to me. Mm -hmm. um, as well as going to Mexico, but never, you know, on um, in my own vehicle and, and never with the, um, you know, objective to go learn how to surf. So, you know, trying yeah. to put together boards, you know, like a quiver to stack on top of our car and kind of cobbling things together from from garage sales and, and surf shops to uh, to get this collection that we could take with us and hopefully uh, learn how to do this activity that's you know really uh physically challenging super duper demanding uh i learned to surf and i use that word very gingerly learned i could i can ride a wave here and there but i was on a press trip in wales and they dumped us in this like freezing cold water and had a welsh guy yell instructions at us from the beach and it was like <laughs> one of the most terrifying days of my life but i did manage to get up once so um all right, so let's fast forward um, from the Econo Van days. Now you, you've graduated college and you've got a vehicle. You're down in San Diego. You're picking up a roommate. What kind of car did you have to take this trip and what's going through your head? Yeah, so it's uh, 1999 and we're in an 85 uh, Subaru wagon, which pretty reliable vehicles for for adventures um very commonly all-wheel drive mine was not uh oh no <laughs> that, that comes into play later in the story yeah. but um brought some spare spare tires along and you know we're really outfitted for for camping and uh you know st staying on the beach and and having 
full, you know, all of our own supplies, water and, and fuel and, and cooking equipment. Um, and then we start, start off across the border in San Diego down into Baja. And we spend the next three weeks um, going from essentially the, the center La Paz area around the coast uh, of this Los Cabos and, and all the way back up to La Paz and staying on, you know, mostly camping on the beach, um, some kind of more formalized and others completely remote. Um, How are you finding breaks? It's 1999, so you really can't Google it. How do you find where to go and what beaches to camp on? We had um, a friend who was a surfer who had a Surfline subscription that kind of gave a map of the different breaks down there and some advice on how to get there and and which ones are more suitable for beginners and not so we had this printout of about 30 pages that, that described you know roughly 100 breaks down there and we were kind of using that as our guide you know wow that's crazy here yeah. and there but you know this is pre mobile data on mobile phones you know we just there was just voice we didn't have um cell phones so you know, you're you're completely working off of paper maps and then trying to talk to locals and 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 fold that into the the uh, the directions and you know that always made for some adventures too. That sounds like the dream um, to just roll out and and you camp on the beach. So what is a day like? I mean, I'm imagining you wake up at dawn and just head out there. Yeah, we would stay, you know, typically we'd stay a couple nights at each place. So you're kind of waking up with the, the sun and assessing the conditions. You know, is it going to be windy? Uh, uh, what kind of what's the size of the, the swell? And, you know, talking to p other people if they're there about, you know, anything to look out for, because there's all kinds of hazards um, in the oceans when you're going to these unknown spots. But yeah, it was really, you know, amazing to to have these secluded spaces to be able to camp in. Um, and there's just and it's pretty harsh at the same time. You know, it's a dry um, out there and and uh, warm weather. So, you know, being very conscious of setting up proper shade and everything. But yeah, yeah it was it was quite a trip. And that was the more kind of rustic part of the journey those first three weeks and then we took a ferry from Baja to the mainland just north of Mazatlan to a place called Topolobampo and you take this overnight ferry ride it was about six or seven hours um wow years below and people you know sleeping on the, the deck upstairs and kind of bring your your sleeping bag and and head across um the Sea of Cortez there, which was uh, quite an experience. And then you get to the mainland and it's a little more, a lot of more developed places that we're staying in. Um, mm -hmm. And, but still just filled with so much adventure and meeting other travelers along the way, you know, travelers from Mexico, the States, Australia, and bringing in people from all around the world, um, experiencing this really just beautiful, lush, jungle in many cases right down to the pacific ocean which is um, amazing really unique 
So you you're on the you're on the night ferry and you've got the '85 Subaru uh, two wheel drive loaded with surfboards on the night ferry on the Sea of Cortez and and it docks and you drive off of the ferry and and what's your move? I mean, you just hang a right and go south or what? Yeah, that's that's exactly what we did. Um, we we stayed one night in Topolobampo and the next day made it to Mazatlan and stayed in kind of like this camper RV park, um, you know, a couple blocks from the ocean. And we're just, you know, kind of looking at our printouts of, of surf breaks and end up at this place called Camarones. Um, had some of probably our best waves of the trip so far and uh, ended up actually with a with a trip to the emergency room there with a, a surfboard spin in the leg. Oh, wait, we need, yeah, we need to break this down because I was just going to ask, you're still learning to surf. Like, it's not like, you know, you're not Kelly Slater yet. You're, uh, you're learning. So how does this accident happen? What transpired? Um, it was really just getting a little greedy on a wave, you know, catching them is, is really challenging in the beginning. So when you get on a wave, then, you know, you want to milk it for all it's worth mm-hmm. and ended up riding it all the way too close to shore. You know, board goes into the sand and oh. comes back into the leg, splits it open, you know, get uh, 10 stitches in there, probably needed 20. Oh yeah, but yeah, you're on the beach in Mexico, and you're like, okay, so now I got to go to the hospital here in this other country. Um, that's probably a first for you. Yeah, never had done that, and um, you know that's where you know you can see definitely unlike any hospital or medical environment I've been in in the U.S. But you know, people there who who knew what they were doing and and took care of it quickly, and you know, locals jumping in on the beach, they see what happened. Oh, let me show you where you can go to get help, and just that kind of bonding and you know, uh, humanitarianism, humanitarianism that happens um, when you're on the road is is just so. Um, so warming, you know, like that's that's really what it's all about is all those people that we met along the way too. Yeah, and, and as a kid at the time, I mean, you're just out of school and you've grown up in Washington and you went to school in Colorado. So, I mean, you must be having a whirlwind of emotions being down in this like tropical nation where everyone's speaking Spanish and there's a lush jungle around you. There's actually like somewhat warm water to surf in. I mean, do you remember how your impression of the world was like slowly changing at that time? Yeah, I mean, what was really impressed upon me, you know, having some Spanish in school, but not a lot of uh, real world, world practice was just, you know, time and time again, just such a willingness um, from the Mexican people to engage in conversation and you know totally yeah. humor my spanish and uh, you know them trying their english and you know that that's just i guess one of the more endearing things about that that culture is that you know friendliness and and wanting to engage um yeah, and yeah. especially in their language so that really stuck out and and has stayed with me 
So you're you're in the hospital and they stitch you up and they send you back into the streets. What happens after that? Yeah, so we spend another couple days there um, and we keep moving along our journey, trying, uh, you know, finding other great towns to stay in. We end up, you know, driving all the way south to Puerto Escondido, which is just one um, state nor north from the southernmost state of Chiapas, which was experiencing a lot of political turmoil at the time. So we didn't go all the way to the southern tip, but within uh, a few hundred miles. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, one of those things where you completely drop into your surroundings. You know, you're not you're not you're you're on a entirely different schedule than you've ever known in your life from somebody um, who grew up in the States, you know, a different concept of time days, you know, uh, of just, you know, how to kind of, I guess, the the whole rhythm of a day, you know, and how much more oriented it is around, uh, you know, the your daylight hours and things like that. It was, yeah, yeah. It was unique. So, do you find that on the road, time has a way of shifting? And uh, in a way, I feel like it, it speeds up and slows down, if that makes sense. Like maybe maybe the day slows down, but the cumulative days go by so quickly. Yeah, there there's you know losing even what day of the week it is, and all of a sudden you know a week has passed in a trip is you know very common, and I think uh, but but as long as you can get that slowdown of enjoying the moments of the day. Um, you know, and you're you're also wrapped into these moments of of really uh, feeling relaxed and transported, and then the stress of you know not knowing where you are or how to get to where you think you're trying to go. That's true. Uh, where you're going to sleep? Really, what are you going to do? Yeah. Where are you going to eat? Um, talk to me about the experience of learning to surf a little bit. Um, you, you get hurt. Does that deter you or make you more determined to go back out there? Well, it kept me out of the water for almost a month just for worry of infection. You know, yeah. the, the wound needed um, time to heal. So, you know, the ocean's not the best place for that. So um, it didn't it didn't dampen my spirits uh, at all. It made me, you know, that much more hungry to get back out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, found some people along the way once I could get back in who were could help, you know, accelerate and coach um, along the way, which, you know, we all know that having coaches in athletics or life can really make a big difference. So, you know, that was, I don't know if I leaned into that more um, or it's just kind of what was given to me at that time um, along our journey, you know, those things that tend to pop up kind of when you need them most. So uh, it was de definitely a big motivator and also to you know not want to be out of the game for <laughs> that long you know yeah. and that being the overarching theme of the the trip was learning um how to surf so before we get back to the show i want to talk to you guys for a quick second about my hometown memphis tennessee you guys know that memphis is a place surrounded by soul 
It's where the blues became rock and roll. It's where soul music found its groove and hip-hop turned trap beats into sounds that still top the charts today. I love spending time in Memphis, walking its streets and feeling the energy from decades of recordings rising up from the sidewalk. It's a real thing. When I'm looking for a place to pick up artwork, gifts, or flavors that remind me of home, I always swing by Feelin' Memphis. It's right there, downtown on South Main Street. Feelin' Memphis is run by my good friend Tawanda Pirtle, who grew up with me way back when I was just a college dropout designing t-shirts for her chicken joint, Jack Pirtle's Chicken. Tawanda has always been there for me as my career morphed into the world of travel writing and podcasting, and you can usually find her there for you behind the counter at Feelin' Memphis. So next time you're strolling through downtown, look for the big blue trolley in the window. Tell Tawanda I said hello. While you're in there, scope out some funky, hand-curated gift items to share the energy of Memphis with someone you love. That's Feelin' Memphis at 509 South Main Street. Tell them the Get Lost podcast sent you. Now, back to the show. So did you find out there on the road, did you find a master splinter, like a, a surfer to help guide you and show you the way? Yeah, there was. Uh, there were a couple guys that we had met um, in Sayulita, which is in the state of Nayarit, north of Puerto Vallarta, um, that we ended up you know, connecting with throughout the trip. And, and they had much, you know, much greater surf knowledge than we did at all. So yeah, they would, you know, helping just to analyze the ocean, the waves and break and, you know, assess different um, techniques to use in the waves based on the type that they were. So yeah, uh, yeah that was, that, that was great to have those mentors so can you reach back in your memory and describe like one of your favorite waves of that trip? Because if you're like me, I, I feel like they stick with you sometimes when you get a meaningful one, even if you don't remember the exact time, you remember the place and you remember the ride, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, that's that's easy. There were several of them. One that probably sticks out the most um, was this place called Rio Nexpa. Um, and pretty remote, you know, a couple hours away from any nearest airport. And uh, there was a whole little encampment of surfers and then a couple of beach palapas and, you know, a single restaurant there. Um, cool. And this is, uh, you know, a spot that was a river mouth break. And, you know, the 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 swell had picked up and um you know probably bigger than anything i'd been in so when i was had the fortune to catch one of those that just you know really made my day and you know obviously i'm still talking about that way yeah. 20 years later uh, yeah yeah as it was it like you got out there and then it suddenly picked up no it was one of those where you got to get you know get your um psych yourself up before you go out there because it's you know you know you can tell that it's gonna beat you up a little yeah yeah and then that that feeling is kind of scary when you're used to catching like a wave of a certain size and then you you try to ramp up to that next skill level like, i feel like the mental hurdle is the most challenging thing yeah i think so and that's you know part of one of the things i love about 
surfing is, you know, that kind of combination of that physical challenge coupled with the adrenaline and the the nature element and and there's definitely a a spiritual aspect to it um where much like travel you know they kind of does shift time there's there's not other you have no choice but to be in the moment yeah because diving diving is the same way it's a lot like that you have to be in that moment right or or you're really you're not only missing out on the moment you're really kind of in danger yeah um how long were you guys out on the road for in that year after college were you gone a whole 12 months that was uh five months um on the road that's amazing yeah and and still by far the longest trip (laughs) not even close you know all i think three weeks has been the longest since then and um would definitely encourage anyone to take advantage of that time if they don't get that time make it happen at another point in their life i think so yeah and obviously a lot of people listening to the show are are still in college and i would recommend taking that trip if you can um and if you can't you're right woody's he's got it nailed like even if you can spend four or five weeks on the road to me it it could become meaningful like you come back and you feel like you cleared your head you feel like in a way there was like a before and an after. Yeah. Did you return back to Washington with like your hair growing out and, and smelling like the sea or how did that play out when you got home to your family? It was interesting. Uh, when we came back, um, the first U S city that we hit was San Diego and had some friends who were living there. And, uh, that was kind of an easy transition from, uh, you know, this this surf safari life that we were living um, with a lot of people very, you know, much in the beach mindset. And so that's where I ended up staying and getting my first job out of college. And I, I spent uh, a year there. Um, yeah, I think it would have been, there would have been lots of places I could have landed in the states where it would have been harder but so maybe i chose the the easy route there too but it just seemed to to make sense you fell into it and did your life evolve then from like a a travel point of view or did you go into the corporate world and come out on the other side and decide years later like hey i want to make this this audio app that tells people about road trips yeah i jumped right into a, a sales role for um an internet startup, um, which is kind of right before the, the dot bomb bust and, uh, learned a ton doing that. And, you know, the company ended up going under, I ended up staying in sales and started working, um, at singular and then AT&T on the wireless carrier. So it was very much, you know, kind of white collar work, um, and in the technology field and, always working on it with software and mobile. And uh, then my first company that I created on my own was called iStoryTime. And um, it was when my son was three years old and the first iPhone came out. And he was like a moth to the screen. And my wife and I thought, there's video games, there's uh, movies on here, but what are, do we feel comfortable as parents 
and mm-hmm. this device over do we want to at all and and we saw this need for um storybooks so we made the first library of narrated storybooks for the device um so things like driving in a car when we're making dinner we felt like oh if we're exposing him to more books and reading like this is going to be a, a great match um he went on to become one of the most advanced readers in his school and um uh, we went wow. out over 200 app titles um you know netflix or tech crunch called us the netflix for kids ebooks and um, had a really great run 14 million downloads and um, sold the company and so that was you know another case where it's kind of like a scratch your own itch idea we wanted badly for ourselves and um as the kids grew older you know and these screens have become so much more pervasive we wanted a, a really a reason not only for us to to learn about the surroundings but give them a reason to pull their head up out of the devices on these longer trips like it, it was kind of a double-edged sword i think we traveled way more with our kids when they were younger because yeah. we could lean into these things like digital storybooks and later you know other uh types of entertainment on there um but you know they're kind of missing out on you know it's a it's it's uh new places that we were traveling to where it it is important to to learn about that and and really take in those sites and surroundings so that was the other motivation behind atio is that reason for them to look up and and engage um on those trips so you know we're still I think always uh, trying to find ways to to compete with the, the TikToks um, with the younger generation. But, uh, you know, the- yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, because if you scroll through TikTok for long enough, you get into these um, wormholes that are just regular people spouting factoids. And it's that's so interesting to me that like that's what's taken off and as like a photographer and a videographer and a photo it really like i'm curious and i'll watch because you get the facts and it's some guy that lives in a mining town in nevada telling you all about the mining town i'm like this is great then i also get pissed off because the production value is awful and i'm like oh my god like this guy has 200 million views or something like that or 2 million views and like i'm over here in the jungle in costa rica making like beautiful polished videos of caimans and birds and things and like no one gives a crap so <laughs> it you're right like there's this weird thing with tiktok that's just factoids and people love it but i think audio kind of ties in because you're giving people facts and information from experts which is a level up from like you know regular bill and ted telling you about strange events at the circle k and then <laughs> you also don't have to look at it so you can drive and you can have it pop up and it just does its thing while you know you have a playlist on or a podcast or whatever and to me it's great for balance i just think it's a great addition to any traveler's quiver so to speak yeah and i we we want to be that platform where you can go and get these these trusted bites of, of travel information you know i think this the long form um, podcast is fantastic for for going deep and then 
you know, the art, we're really the jumping off point, you know, with this kind of short form um, curated content. And then really we'd like it to be a gateway to the longer form when people want to really drill in. So um, at some point, you know, we want to tap into the folks like you who can tell these stories and maybe there's the, the three minute version of the, the Costa Rican destination. And then, you know, to get the, the full length, then it goes into um, the entire episode. But yeah, really taking the experts and the, the people are putting um, thought and time and energy into the production quality and the content itself is, you know, that's what that's what you want to see is that cream rides to the top. Yeah, yeah, it would be really cool, actually, it, to say you drive through New Mexico and it pings you about Roswell for three minutes, five minutes, and then it says, oh, by the way, here's a three-hour special from our friends at Astonishing Legends, and they're going to tell you all about this and populate your mind with alien conspiracy theories. Like, that's great, you know? That's yeah. fantastic. So anyway, Woody, um, before we wrap up here, I, I just want to ask again about your trip Um through the coast of Mexico on this really cool surf safari. And my question to you now is 1999. So 24 years later, um, do you find yourself wishing you could do the whole thing over again? I don't know that there is a do it over again. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I would jump at the opportunity yeah. visit you know and and take some of that route but you know it'll never be what it was you know 20 years ago or you know with the the same um circumstances and that's okay i think it was perfect for what it was when it happened um and and i feel like we got so much out of that trip um but yeah to experience that maybe with you know my sons who love surfing you know yeah. it, it just in a different way i mean i think um and then there's other new adventures you know the the places that we haven't charted that, that maybe that's you know that is part of the the magic of doing something for the first time too right there's just all that wonder along the way um yeah, yeah but, but that would be you know the first time doing it with that group of people so yeah and surfing it sounds like became a part of your life um to this day still there oh yeah that that definitely kicked off um you know something that's uh maybe a blessing and a curse yeah uh last question i have before we go um talk to people right now that are in the middle of america that don't live near the coast um like places like I grew up in Tennessee where you're landlocked. Um, what would you say to them if they have even an inkling about taking a surf lesson? Yeah, it seems like there's the, that sensation um, of surfing can be experienced in a lot of different ways now, even in a lake with these uh, you know, surf ski boats. It's kind of the wake surfing. It's true. Yeah. You know, that's like, Get in, you know, it can't be more than a couple hours away from anybody to do something like that. I visited Bend, Oregon, and there's a couple other rivers where they've installed these standing waves where you can do it, you know, 
Yeah, I think I even wow. saw one of those in like Dallas or Houston or somewhere where they have, I mean, I guess you could surf in Houston, but uh, there's a standing wave thing in, in Texas. Um, yeah, there's there's those, the man-made ones, but then there's ones where they, um, that are in a river. And so it's, it's oh, actually. Oh, it's like it, underwater and then it makes a wave. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so they may do something to, you know, kind of like a, olympic kayak course where there's different rapids in there but just think of a rapid that's staying constant and you're riding back and forth on the board so um you know it's i i would say you know book your book your trip if it if it does inspire you um and you know start off with there's lots of ways to sync up with with coaches or, or lessons now, but uh, I would I would recommend that over my trial and error method of <laughs> <laughs> just driving down through Mexico. Well, I don't know. I kind of like your approach. So anyway, Woody, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, everybody, give Atio a look at autio.com. You can download it on iOS. Uh, certainly a great travel companion for your road trip, uh, whether it's upcoming or whether you're on right now. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show, Woody. I love the chat. Appreciate it, Joe. Yeah, my pleasure. The Get Lost Podcast is a production of Sold Outside Exploration Company. Follow us on Instagram at Get Lost Podcast for prizes, announcements, and contests.